In 2018, pickleball was just getting started in Sweden. A friend of Axel, I Restet, heard about the game and told Axel he found the sport for them. He was right, as Axel finished third in senior pro singles in the recent U.S. Open. So in this episode, we take a deep dive into how to be a successful singles player. Let's get to the intro to hear from Axel. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Axel Irestet. How are you doing today, Axel? I'm fine. Thanks, you, Lynn. Just fine. Thanks for inviting me to your pod. Appreciate that. Yeah, I am really happy to have you on. You definitely came on my radar in the last couple of weeks, doing very well at the U.S. Open in singles. And we'll get we'll explore more of that. But I do always like to start off the podcast with a little bit about how you first heard about pickleball and how long ago that was. Yeah, I think Pickleball came to Sweden in uh, 2018, maybe 2017. But for me, uh, it became known autumn 2018 when a good old friend of mine, Kenneth Dalin, with whom I played the doubles in US Open, he called me sometime in 2018 and said that he, he found the sport for us. Uh, hey, Axel, I found this sport. It's called Pickleball. And this is the right sport for us. Here we will be competitive. So that's, I guess, three and a half years ago. And I've been playing since then, regularly, a little bit less in the beginning, but then more and more, I would say. So 2018, I got in contact with Pickleball for the first time. I had never heard of it before. All right. I've got two questions around that. Why did he think you guys would be competitive in Pickleball? Well, we played this guy, Kenneth, and myself, we played when, since he's a good old friend from mine since I was 10 years old. We played a lot of mini tennis when we were kids at, in, in gardens, in grass, with uh, foam balls. And, but even up to the age of 20 to 25 years old, we played a lot of mini tennis on badminton-sized courts with, with a lower net. But again, with foam ball and, well, plastic rackets, but... In a sense, the playing style and the technique was quite, is quite similar to, to pickleball. And at that time, we thought we were doing quite well. So at least we beat all our friends. And I remember we told ourselves, it's a pity that there is no competition, no tournaments in, in mini tennis, because we are pretty good, we thought. So, but I guess when we came to the age of 25, that was forgotten and we started doing other things. But I think Kenneth immediately felt when pickleball came that it, this was very close to uh, our mini tennis games that we played in the past where we thought we were doing good. So I, I think that's why uh, he told me that now, hey, Axel, now I found our sports. Let's practice, I guess. Yes, you've definitely found your sport, certainly with um, success in the US Open, which I'll get to in a second, because I, I still wanted to ask you about... Do you know how pickleball got introduced in, in Sweden? Was Kenneth a part of that, or does he know who actually got it started there? No, I don't think Kenneth was involved. To be honest, I'm not fully sure, but I would say that 
the guy who is leading the Swedish Pickleball Association, Gunnar Svalander. He, I, I think he is the one who brought pickleball to Sweden. If I'm wrong, I have to excuse to the person who, who did. But at least Gunnar was one of the persons being involved in the beginning. But then for some reason, I really do not know, pickleball got a foothold in the city of Nyköping, where my friend Kenneth lives. And that's some 60, 70 miles from Stockholm. So it was via Kenneth I heard of pickleball. But probably uh, Gunnar Svalander is to thank for introducing pickleball into Sweden, I think. Interesting. Any sense of how many people are playing there now? Yeah, I spoke to, to Gunnar. As I said, he's the head of uh, the Pickleball Association in Sweden. And it's still a small sport. It's growing. Uh, and I'm glad for that. And he said that probably something like 3,000 to 4,000 players we have in Sweden. Most of them probably playing yeah, just one or two times a week. But that's a number I have heard. If we look at the Swedish national championships, uh, the second one, which was held in December last year, I think we were a little bit more than 100 uh, players in that event. And did you take the gold there also? I took the gold in, in singles uh, 2021 and, and uh, not in the senior class. So I, well, in Sweden, I can compete with the younger guys. So I, I, I won the gold medal 2021. And in 2019, I won the doubles with my friend Kenneth. So uh, two times Swedish champ. I'm glad for that. That is great. Now, how is it that if you think about it, you're playing in Sweden, you're definitely one of the top players. How do you make the decision to come to the U.S. Open? And was 2022 your first year or had you come previously? No, 2022 was the first year at the Open. And, and that was the Open was actually my first tournament ever played outside Sweden. I just played the local tournaments in Sweden and uh, yeah, nothing outside Sweden. I applied to play in Dutch Open in 2020, but then the pandemic came and that was cancelled. No, I think the reason why we went to US Open is that, again, we said some me and my, I refer to my friend Kenneth because we started playing uh, pickleball together and he is my, was my double partner in US Open. We said somewhere at the time of 2019, someday we had to go to uh, US to try out pickleball because going to the homeland of pickleball with a lot of dedicated courts, with a lot of players and, and big tournaments, obviously, we thought that, that would be a great experience to us, mainly to well, do it and, and experience it and uh, have fun. But once we started playing and we saw that we were competitive in Sweden, also compared to the younger guys, at one point of time, I think it was 2020, we said, uh, well, hey, let's try US Open. Let's go for the what we thought the biggest one, the, the, the best one. And let's go for Senior Pro. Let's try to meet the best to see if we... If we are competitive, if we are good enough, obviously we studied. It's difficult to know how if we were any good or or not. We felt that we were playing reasonably good, and then since we were, and we met some players from other parts of, of Europe, also younger guys, where we well did well. And then we watched a little bit in YouTube the top senior players in US, and obviously we saw they were very good, but still we weren't totally 
frightened. So, so we said, hey, we can be in that tournament. We can, maybe we will lose in the first, second round, but we will not make a fool out ourselves. We can be competitive. So then we decided, let's try US Open. Let's apply and see if we can win lottery tickets. Uh, so we did. All right. And then once you got to the U.S., actually, I should probably ask about about the weather, because I mean, just anytime you're coming from a, a colder place, because I live in Connecticut and you come down to Florida, it the heat and the humidity can get you. And were you I assume maybe you're probably largely playing indoors in Sweden? Yes. And, and this is a good question from you coming coming back to the climate and, and humidity yeah we play indoors in sweden year year long i would say our climate admit us to play outside from probably mid-april may until probably end of september but there hasn't really been any outside courts until now now they are coming a few courts outside courts i know there are six eight somewhere but nothing close to stockholm so i play only indoors no wind, well, temperature around, I don't know, in Fahrenheit, but, uh, well, normal room temperature, so to say. No sun. So so it was quite, actually, I was told by some, I have a few friends living in Florida uh, and, and some Swedes who live there for part of the time. So I was told that weather and, and temperature, humidity would be a factor. So you, <laughs> you better prepare for that. But I guess it's not so easy to prepare from that in coming from, winter like or spring like sweden where temperature hadn't basically reached above 10 degrees celsius what that now is in fahrenheit but it was still cold in sweden so it was a little bit of a shock coming to florida coming to naples and uh, feeling in the middle of the day sun high on the sky and very high temperature in, in my way of what I was used to, and the high humidity. It was tough. It was really tough. And, now, did you get some practice? And I can match? tell you that. Go ahead. Yeah, we did. Uh, the good thing that was that we we took this trip a little bit as a vacation as as well. It's a long trip to US, but we played a little smaller tournament the weekend before. Hoping it's open in Pelican Sound Golf and Country Club, and I must give my compliments to to Frank the the supervisor there and the host of the tournament he did uh, it was a really nice tournament and he helped us a lot we weren't really prepared with food and uh, during the day but he helped us out and uh, then later that week he was arranged some practice some training matches with the senior pro player Barry Waddell so we got a little bit feeling of the level by the way coming back to the Saturday and hope and it's open we played only the doubles starting at nine and uh, probably ending at three o'clock or something. And I almost fainted or it felt like I was dying. It was so tough. And in the end, I, I filled my hat with ice cubes from the ice machine, just try to cool down. And I had ice cubes in my hand, chilling my neck and my wrist and uh, just to try to survive. But in the end, the last two matches and definitely the last, the final, I couldn't perform very well. I was had no energy and it was just a matter of yeah, surviving, basically. So then I thought, what the hell, how will I be able to play singles one week later? I was actually really, well, nervous or, well, 
I thought that it would be extremely tough and maybe that I would not be able to find well energy and physics to to be able to compete in the singles but I guess after a week uh, another eight days that I got a little bit used to the heat and to, to the humidity and uh, the singles at US Open started eight o'clock in the morning and it's, it was obviously a little bit colder at that time and a little breeze probably helped as well so but it was tough I, I must admit the temperature and humidity was a factor that that uh, very different and very tough and maybe still that I would have needed a bit more time. But that's a learning. If I come over to Florida again to play, I have to come at least one week, probably 10 days ahead to be able to be competitive. Otherwise, it won't work. Now, I know in your singles, you had a pretty tough opponent that first match, didn't you? Well, especially this second match. Uh, the first match I met, that was a tough opponent as well, Marius Mitrofan. But I think... At least that day I was the, the better player and, and won quite easily. I, I guess you are thinking of the second match to Matthias Johansson. Correct. Yeah, that was quite tough. I, I was obviously seeded last because I had no ranking point, had never appeared outside Sweden, so nobody knew who I was. So I had a tough draw and it was at least good that I had not an easy match, but a little bit easier match in the first round because I was... A little bit tense, a little bit nervous, obviously. Well, going all the way from Sweden, playing the US Open, and now it's your chance. Now you have to perform. And that puts some things in your mind. But I was able to control it pretty okay in, in the first round. Then I met Matthias. And that was a little bit, not strange feeling, but I will obviously followed Matthias on YouTube and Facebook and I have connected to him because he also has a Swedish origin. So that is pretty nice. He speaks fluently, perfect Swedish. But then having on the other side, Matthias, which I knew was the favorite or one of the two favorites. I guess I had quite some respect initially, uh, which I should have, but maybe a little bit too much. But he is obviously a great player and he played uh, really well. But I was not very far from Winning the first game, it, it was. I, I, I think I had respect in the beginning, and he was playing well. So he got up to ten-three lead, uh, but then I, I started to playing better. Maybe the respect, I, I lost that a little bit, and I started to returning very well, long returns, serving well. So I got up to nine-ten. He took a timeout and probably was a little bit, well, shaky, and then I got up to ten-ten. So then it was. Pretty tight, but then Matthias won it with 12-10, and I guess I, I needed to have won the first game to have a chance because in the second game Matthias played uh, much better and uh, won pretty easily with 11-3. But I think also learning curve there is we changed sides and all of a sudden I did not have the wind in my back. It came well in in the front, so to say, and my returns ended up short and my serves a little bit short. So I think it was easier for Matthias to get into the court and dominate quite easily um, so but okay it wasn't I didn't have to be ashamed to, to lose to Matthias so but it was a little bit I came there too I didn't know where I was how I would perform but I hadn't lost my dream of actually winning that was still in my mind I, that I would have the chance so obviously I was a little bit disappointed after that loss you, yeah. That may have been the case, but you did go into the consolation bracket and 
you came out on on top there, so ended up with third place, wasn't it? At, in the U.S. Open in singles, I mean that's tremendous. Yeah, it was fantastic, and I'm looking back at my tournament. I'm I'm really proud of, of how I played and um, ending up with a bronze medal and all the good players I, I beat. I guess that was the good thing by lose quite early. I, I got the chance to play a lot of the players I know by name and I've seen in YouTube. I, I played uh, Rick Witzkin, I played David Spearman, Tony Gottlieb and Scott Fliegelman. Uh, and these are all very good players. So uh, I think I really earned my bronze medal and, and deserve it in the end. The winning six matches and only losing to Matthias who won in the end. So I'm really proud and if I may say so, a little bit impressed about what I did coming from only playing indoors in Sweden, coming for the first time outside Sweden, playing at US Open, meeting the best uh, in, for me, unknown conditions with the heat, with playing outside, uh, hard court, new balls, wind. It was not yeah. in my favor, I guess. So, so I think I did well. You did. That is definitely a lot of adjustments. And one thing I want to do today on the podcast, because... I don't actually on the podcast talk a lot about singles. I mean, so much of pickleball play is doubles. So I'm curious, a singles point of view, never really having played pickleball singles, Mm -hmm. what are, what are kind of the key parts of the game? Is it largely making your serve and your serve return a weapon? What, how do those impact that singles game? I think you're pretty much onto it. I think singles strategy for me, at least, is much more uh, easy than, than doubles. Doubles is much more complicated and you ha- can have different strategies. For me, exactly what you said, singles is, is a lot about having a good, hard, long, consistent uh, serve. Having the courage to, to go for the serve, so to say. Not You, you can't miss too many, obviously, but... You need a long, good serve because then you are putting some pressure on, on your opponent. And, and if his return isn't as long, then then probably he runs to the net in any case. But then you have a better chance to pass him with a good passing shot. If I make an easy serve and he makes a long return, it's, it's very difficult to hit the passing shots from distance from behind the baseline in singles. So... Aggressive, tough serve is, is the key. And then if you are on the returner side, also go for, for, for the return and, and then rush to the net. I always rush to the net, more or less, after my, my if I'm the returner. I say to myself, even though my return, if it's a little bit too short, I, I often go to the, well, to the net, to the kitchen line. Because I, I think winning the match from behind the baseline is very tough. You can make one, two, three, four fantastic passing shots, but to do that consistently throughout two games, that is extremely tough. I, I think you need to come to the kitchen line and, and dominate from that position and get some easy points and, and play play the volley. So for me, the strategy is pretty simple. Good, long, aggressive serves. And if I'm a returner, long returns, and then go to the net as, as quick as possible. And normally try pass hard passing shots sometimes i do drop shots and try to follow it up with with a volley so yeah that was one of the things i was curious about is if you're the server and your opponent hits that really deep return 
what choice do you do you make there? Is it ninety percent of the time a passing shot? For me, until now, it's probably ninety percent. It's passing shots. If I'm uh, way behind the baseline, I sometimes choose to to make a drop shot because if I'm too far away from the net, my passing shot will slow down in speed, and and the opponent will ha- have time to position position himself and hit a good volley. So sometimes I choose to make a drop shot, and and I think probably outdoors, I would change my tactic a bit. Indoors, it's a little bit faster games, faster floor. So, so you can hit a little bit faster. And then a passing shot from the baseline is, I think, normally a, a good choice. And you have a good chance to, to pass your opponent. In outside, I feel it, the, the tempo is a little bit slower. And, and the speed of the ball, you don't get the same speed of the ball. So it's a little bit more difficult to hit a passing shot if you are behind the baseline. So then I would probably want to hit a, a drop shot or... A, a shot which at least dives into the kitchen and, and forces the opponent to hit a half volley or something. And, and then probably I want to go to the kitchen line anyway to uh, try to hit my next shot as a volley because just keep standing from the by base, baseline and hitting drop shots after drop shots in the end, I think I will lose that point anyway. But probably a little bit more shots which dives down into the kitchen instead of just hard passing shots would maybe be a little bit better tactic outside, I think. Now, let me delve a little bit further into the return also. Of course, you want to hit the ball deep, I think even in singles on the return, but are you trying to hit any angles or close to the sideline or would you rather not would you rather just hit the ball down the middle so there isn't so much of an angle for your opponent to hit back at that's that's a good question which i have thought thought about my son he always tell me daddy you have to hit it in the middle to to avoid the, the opponent to get the angles but that's not how i play i play first i try to to find if i find a weakness at my in my opponent if sometimes they have a, a weaker backhand. That's quite typically. Uh, probably at senior pro level, you, you will not find that uh, so much. More more when I play locally. And if I find a, a guy with weak, weak backhand, then it's op- op- often enough just to hit it deep in the backhand. And then I probably get it quite easy. But otherwise, playing a better player in US Open, I think angles is very effective. It doesn't really have to be always long down deep in the corner. If I hit an angle, which I want high speed because I don't want to give the opponent so much time to prepare himself. He he must hit the shot whilst running, so to say. That's much more difficult shot. So so I often I hit it just down in one of the corners, uh, but I, I I vary sometimes and hit try to hit shorter shots, which may end just longer than the kitchen line, but with an angle because then normally. It bounces quite low and and the opponent has to hit it upwards. And I think that is effective and something I would like to do more. But definitely the variation of long, deep returns in the corners with angles. You're right about that. Depends a little bit. And sometimes with the wind can be extremely effective to play with the wind. Uh, Hit an angle and then the wind will take it another meter to the side. But that was quite new for me then obviously at the open since i play indoors in sweden right and you mentioned that in your game 
after that third shot, you are, well, in any case, especially as a returner, you had mentioned you're always wanting to move up to the kitchen line. Mm-hmm. Is that how most people you feel at that senior pro level? Is that their strategy too? Yeah, I, I would say so. Without really having analyzed all, all the players, there there may be a few who tends to be a little bit, bit more defensive and sometimes stay on the baseline. But I think the ones I played normally, at least 90% of the time, go to the kitchen line after hitting a return. I think that's probably the same strategy for, for more, most, more or less all players. That's what I saw. I had been talking with Jim Rams- Ramsey, who is a statistician for the PPA. And I think he said, like, because uh, he does the statistics for them. And I think he said that on average, a, a singles rally is probably about four, four or five strokes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really short, isn't it? You're right about that. I haven't uh, seen that statistic, but that sounds uh, reasonable to me. It's normally a serve and return and a volley and may- maybe one, one more. It sounds it's short. You're right about that. And I, I, that's how I play. I, I try to, as I said, if I'm a returner, I go to the net and, uh, and then I'm very aggressive in my volleys. I don't like just, well, depending on which shot my opponent is playing, but if it's a little bit on top of the height of the net, I, I, I try to hit an aggressive volley to end the point as, as soon as possible. Yeah, that, that sounds right. how I have experienced the game. All right. Well, great singles tips. I really appreciate you being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. I hope to see you in the U.S. Open again very soon. So thank you again for joining the show. Thanks, Lynn. I appreciate that you contacted me and invited me to to, uh, your podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 